Hello everyone and welcome to Beyond the Degree, a podcast where we chat with accomplished University of Toronto alumni to learn more about their career and time at U of T. My name is Talal and I'm a second year math student at the University of Toronto. My name is Tate and I'm a second year computer science student at U of T. Uh, today's guest is Savannah Alsize, is that correct? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the University of Toronto 2018 life science graduate who specialized in neuroscience and biochemistry. Throughout her undergrad, Savannah worked in a diversity of fields including medical research, sales, and um, has some experience with startups. Savannah is now a talent acquisition specialist at Snapshravel, a Toronto-based startup that uses machine learning to query ideal hotel recommendations across the city. Snapshravel has raised $22 million in funding and is backed by several notable investors, including two-time NBA MVP Steph Curry. We're delighted to have you with us today, Savannah, so thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very honored. Oh, jeez. It's fine. We can edit that out. <laughs> so, all good. Uh, our first question is always, why U of T, and in particular, why life science? How was the, the experience? What was it like during undergrad? Cool. So I ended up going to Toronto because I wanted to live in Toronto um, because I was living in um, yeah <laughs> I was living in the Middle East and I wanted to go to Canada. Um, I got my immigration papers done and it just made sense to move to Canada. And it was like a bunch of options between anywhere in Ontario plus obviously the infamous Montreal. <laughs> and then I just figured I didn't want to live in a small town and I wanted to be in a big city. And I felt like Toronto was the best um, place for me to live. And then I also really wanted to be at like a top school like U of T. So I was very excited when I got my application letter. Like, got accepted. Yeah, it was great. It fulfilled your expectations so far? Um, you know, it disappointed me sometimes. Oh, wow, really? <laughs> U of T is great. Honestly, I'm very grateful. Like, I don't want to sound like U of T was bad, but it was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But it was an experience. Like, I had, I mean, I walked in thinking I wanted to be a doctor, right? I watched my fair share of, like, House and Grey's Anatomy, and I thought, okay, this is it. I'm going to be a doctor, and I'm going to, like, do some neurosurgery of some weird-ass sort. But, yeah, and then that didn't happen, clearly. Um, Just like on a sitcom. Yeah, exactly. So I thought, so that was literally, that's what I thought I was going to do. And then down the line, I realized that's not what I wanted to do. Um, Medical school is great. I mean, anyone that can that makes it will tell you it's worth it, but they're also pretty burnt out. Um, it's yeah. pretty intense. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like it just wasn't for me ever. Like, I by, first, by the end of my first year, I realized I didn't want to do it. And then I was like, okay, so what else can I do with my neuroscience biochem degree? I was like, okay, you know, like, my friends were studying for the PCATs and the DATs and the MCATs and I was like okay let's see what are the options I didn't want to be a dentist because I didn't want to play with people's mouths yeah and then so I was like okay pharmacy seems like the next big thing clearly mm. so I studied for my PCATs and I wanted to do that and then come fourth year I did my application and I was so ready for it like my GPA was on track my PCAT score was on track everything was amazing and I went to my interview I thought I killed it and then come June I'm like yeah I had it in the bag blah blah and then come June I get my rejection letter mm. <laughs> nice 
Um, and that was that was like uh, the best and worst thing that has ever happened to me. To be like that's to be honest, the best way I could describe it was that I was so sad because obviously I had worked so hard for this one thing and. I sat in a classroom and I convinced myself this is what I'm working for. And all I did was school, school, school. And I didn't think that there were any other options besides school. Um, and coming also from a background of like my parents are immigrants as well, where like education above all and you just have to do school yeah. your whole life. Um, so that was obviously something that skewed my decisions as well. Um, and then when the rejection happened, I was like, okay, I'm obviously gonna apply again because can't just like oh, say no. Can't exactly. I'm like, I'm not a quitter. Not How yeah. dare you reject me? So I'll I, show I'm, you. I'm, I'm sure the criteria are pretty insane, but yeah, anyways. It is pretty insane. Like, and the competition is pretty intense too because you're not just competing with people from U of T who want to be pharmacists. You're right. competing from everyone around Canada. And U of T is pretty big in terms of like pharmacy school. It's one of the best pharmacy schools in Canada and one of the best in North America. So like you're, it's pretty like up there, big leagues. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then, so I studied again for my PCATs just to like boost it even more, improve my chances. And then my parents were like, and everybody was like, oh, like, take an extra year, boost your GPA. And everyone around me that didn't get accepted to their desired master's degree or their desired um, grad school, they were like, yeah, I'm just gonna take an extra year. And then I was like, no, I don't wanna take an extra year. I've already like killed myself for four years and that didn't amount to much. And I was like, I could go back to school whenever I want, mm -hmm. um, but I really need to figure out who am I outside of a classroom. And I remember about a year ago, I received this article called, like this blogger, it's called waitbutwhy.com. Um, and it was basically saying how we're so used to, when we're in school and we go to university, we're, we're so used to having someone dictate our decisions. We have a CEO, quote unquote. But yeah, somebody's always been our CEO in our decisions, whether it's our grades, our professors, our teachers, our parents. And then I just didn't want that anymore. I wanted to be the CEO of my own life. And and that's what... what you should it, trademark that. Yeah. <laughs> inspirational, yeah. Yeah, but it's true. But that's what happened. So I did a bunch of different random shit. I, I was like doing uh, retail at Aritzia mm. for a few months. And then eventually uh, there was this internship, uh, Snap Travel. Um, and it was looking for someone with zero experience in the recruitment industry, which was great because I have no experience. <laughs> and um, yeah, I was very lucky because the person who hired me didn't really care about your the background. He just wanted someone who was smart, someone who was able to move fast, and someone who can scale pretty quickly. And that's what happened. Um, I was very lucky because I also have, had, like he, when you're looking for a new job and for some like to switch gears, it's one of those things where you just need to find that person who believes in you. And that was him. And that was like very, I, I feel very lucky. But yeah, and he was, and happens to be that he was one of the best recruiters in Toronto. Really? So I feel very lucky. Uh, so yeah, and then um, he taught me so much um, and it was great. And then, yeah, that's pretty much the internship turned into a full-time gig. And now I do all things recruitment and HR at Snap Travel. So yeah, that's 
pretty much what I do. And you think it's common for people who want to get into recruiting full time, uh, who want to become recruiters? Do you think it's common for them to have recruitment experience in undergrad at least, like do internships over the summer in that space? Yeah, like what are what experience do you think could even be beneficial in something like that? Out of curiosity, I don't know anyone in the recruitment industry that actually had a recruitment degree or an HR degree. Really? Right. What are like most of their backgrounds? Most of their like? backgrounds are in STEM. Really? My um, like my boss and my mentor, uh, he studied economics and statistics, I believe. Okay. Um, and the other people that I've met have either studied psychology or some sort of like life sci course. Um, yeah, or sociology, something like within the people science. Someone like it, it usually ends up being a major that gives you an understanding of like how people operate and how businesses operate. Like it's a very vague. It's kind of the beauty of it, where like you don't really have to have a, like a specific degree to dive into it, but you also have to really hustle to be good at it. So it's kind mm. of like a bit of both. So it's perfect in that sense. What um criteria do you usually look for when you're you know looking for a prospective talent like what I mean is there something more generally that you like seek uh, just that could be applied to anyone looking to get a job or are there any more specific facets that are like pertain to your particular company um, it depends on the role um, I feel generally a very big plus is someone who has experience within the startup industry mm. um, like, it's not that we wouldn't hire someone within Corp. We did and we do. Uh, but it's just that there's a preference because they're just more agile and they're faster in terms of picking up on things. Um, when you onboard them and, giving, and give them new information, they're just quicker. Uh, they also tend to, like, perform better at the job from the get-go. Why, why do you think that is? I think it's just, like, a, the, the working style. Like, yeah. if you're so used to the, like things being you know not being scrappy and just being organized and there's a process things get like it just becomes less agile and it's, it takes up. it piles up and it takes longer and that's just how it is in a bigger company but versus like in a smaller company you kind of don't have the luxury of time because you're you have the limited amount of money and you gotta do things really quickly to like be big yeah. uh so basically and that's why a lot of like the people in our company are people who are just hustlers i would call them They're very high performing they could do something that would take a normal person in eight, eight hours they could do it in four hours it's just that's usually the criteria that i think not just our company but any startup look, look looks for so and you you think people coming from the corporate corporate world have had a more difficult time in adapting to working at a startup not not only at Snapdragon but in general I don't think that no I don't think that's the case usually I think it's just it's not a difficult time adapting is that you don't usually have the patience to give them the time to adapt um, the smaller you are obviously so a company like Shopify they'll take anyone from court because they're big enough they can sustain they can sustain that they can they can allow that person to take their time to adapt but when you're smaller and you're like a team of like 30 people for example you can't because there's only such limits such limited resources mm. so you can't 
take that risk, unfortunately. Okay. And I think more so to be able to adapt, it's just more so a skill set that you have as an individual rather than your background, whether you're in corp or not. Because I came into Snap Travel and I had no startup experience whatsoever. In fact, I was working in such like a dead hole called healthcare. So, <laughs> <laughs> so which is very slow relative to like what the startup tech world looks like. So what was like that transition like initially when you were moving from like doing research and undergrad and then working at a startup after undergrad? So like did research, you did you enjoy it at first? Or? Oh yeah, I loved it. I still do. Like I look back and I'm like, wow, that was a great experience. I, I didn't hate it, but it was just slow. Like it was you reach your self-actualization pretty quickly and you plateau pretty quickly because unfortunately within healthcare there's a lot of uh, processes that you have to go through whether you when you want to like publish or when you want to do research or when you want to like uh, get the right paperwork so you could recruit the right patients for that study um, so it was but at the same time the reason I really liked it was I was lucky in the sense that my research job um, allowed me to d- handle patients which is why I initially wanted to go mm. into healthcare I loved talking to patients and I mean yeah sometimes it was sad and sometimes they were struggling but it was great like I just loved that part so much like the human part of it but at the same time it was hard because things couldn't get done the way they should be getting done in my opinion at Mm. least um so it it had it had its like ups and downs but it was great and I never like I have my opinions but it's it was still a great experience do you find that it, those experiences benefited you in a way that you didn't expect when it comes to your current position or even just your degree in general, yeah. which is obviously kind of a far cry from what you're doing right yeah, now? Yeah, it definitely did, for sure. Um, I think within um, <clears throat> recruitment and HR, you deal a lot with people, right? And yeah. you just have to have that patience. And when you work with mm-hmm. patients who are, um, and you have to have, you have to be trained to be empathetic and sympathetic and compassionate to their situation. And that's similar to when you're working with people and recruiting and making sure that you uh, are hiring the right people. And when you reject them, you want to be, you want to give them the correct, the right feedback. And that's something that I really like about Snap Travel, where we're able to, when we have uh, talent come in, uh, whether it's a phone screen or um, them just doing a case study or even when they're far along and they did an on-site interview there's always feedback every step of the way and i've luckily i've never not been able to give um a candidate feedback Mm. and like on that topic because you you obviously like see and screen a lot of candidates Mm -hmm. and you give them you just said like snap travel gives them a lot of feedback what do you think is the most common thing that pops up when you give these candidate feedbacks especially for people applying for like for the first time or who've never like applied to the tech industry for before for example so a lot of the times when i get applicants i get fresh grads which is great really um but at the same time a lot of these fresh grads don't have co-op oh and they usually don't end up um going through the process because there is no time to teach anyone anything, especially when you're coming in for a full-time um, yeah. position. If you're coming in for an internship, it's a different conversation because when we do internships, it's more so we don't screen uh, resumes. We just send everyone uh, the coding challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's specifically for software engineers. Um, and then from there, they go on to uh, 
after I evaluate the, their code, I they go on to a technical interview and then there's an offer. So it's a lot better if you're applying as an intern versus if you're applying as a full-time from the get-go, um, I would say. And I think usually even if you did not have experience and you were to go through the process, you wouldn't do well because mm. you don't know how to do like a proper take home and a proper like writing clean organized code really the so, most so a lot of possible. yeah so a lot of fresh grads that apply to like from what you've seen don't have like work experience in, in undergrad or just co-op like if long they co-op. don't have uh, under like yeah. work experience in undergrad they don't make it through the process mm, right. but if they do they definitely do i've hired i'd say like four fresh grads recently so it's pretty good for them if, because they've had experience and they they know how to write proper organized clean code versus someone who has no experience for sure i think co-op is such a great opportunity because it's a great medium to develop industry level practice Mm -hmm. and it's also interesting that a lot of these companies will actually hire you the moment you're out of um undergrad did you do co-op or no i did not but i wish i did um i think that's one thing you've uft should have for sure like well they have P- like the, the pui but that's not, not enough yeah, it's not enough. enough it's really not enough yeah, what do you think it's missing like that other like, co-op are you comparing it to like waterloo co-op or okay, yeah okay because the people like waterloo is waterloo for a reason the people that come out of waterloo they're good like they're really good like i've had students come out of like waterloo and they have really high expectations of how much they should be getting paid because they worked at such big companies and i'm like you're a fresh grad that's not how it works in canada because they worked at sf and silicon valley and they have big names like facebook Mm. microsoft like so they feel like they deserve a great great compensation versus like a uft student when they're a fresh grad within comp size specifically and they have no experience they're like oh like i'm just looking to learn they have no expectations and that's that's fine too but it's just like the training that waterloo provides is is insane and it's amazing and it has its drawbacks for sure because there's a lot of pressure it's very competitive etc but it's also brings out such talent to yeah. people so and yeah like the sort of the negative sides of having that co-op program in waterloo from what i've heard is that as soon as you enter your co-op program in your first year you're kind of competing with everyone like from I've, the yeah, I've heard it's straight insane. away it's insane yeah like i hire people from waterloo co-ops every i've hired like about for the past four or three semesters and it's really competitive and even it's competitive for the employer like even yeah. if you like somebody they don't want you because they have offers from like Facebook and Microsoft and I don't know what like Square there's so many companies and they're like well like you guys are great but then there's this one and I guess I'm just gonna go with the other offer so see you later and then you're stuck because you're like oh I have to hire like five more people because you don't rank with the ones that you initially wanted yeah and they Um, rank them right you rank them it's very competitive um versus like so I don't hate PUI, but I think with PUI, so actually, so I don't like it. Yeah. (laughs) So the thing with PUI is that, so I think U of T students should definitely hustle their way through their own, like that's the problem. Through summer internships. Yeah, we we have to hustle our our way through everything. There, nothing is like easy given to us. Even the CLN, um, it's it's so interesting because I find that first of all nobody really teaches you how to use it. I don't know if you guys were taught, but I wasn't taught, and I'm 
asked so many people who were like doing really well at school within like my um uh, degree and they just didn't really know what CLN was or how it worked or how do you accumulate hours or whatever that may be and a lot of the times it just wasn't I don't know it was never even something that wow or amazing like it didn't open doors or made you me it didn't make me feel like damn like UFT was really trying to look out for my future that was the big problem with Waterloo I feel like they are backed like they have people hustling for their futures they care about their futures i don't know it's just uh, it, i respect people at uft that really that have a lot of co-op experience because i've met a lot of students that have come worked uh at snap travel yeah. and they did they were uh they were at uft and they had a, a few internships but they all did them hustled them on their own uft was not doing anything for them so then and that's amazing to yeah. me and i and you're right about the cln like like CLN's good in the sense that it gives you a lot of options, but oh, does a lot anyone know what the abbreviation is? Just so if you career know. learning network. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> but yeah, it's not good in the sense that a lot of the a lot of the positions that you see aren't like are very relevant. Like, what am <laughs> like, I gonna it, do as a copywriter? As for my professor like so what does this and help it's pretty me? Unorga- like, I mean I don't know do you think don't you agree that work from the extraneous field could still be useful I mean it's clearly been for you right I mean I, I agree I I emailed about 150 uh, professors and um, supervisors at different hospitals U of T so many until I got that one research gig mm. yeah. It was insane. I literally had given up by the time nobody had answered. And then one day I opened my email. And I was like, oh my God, she emailed me. Yes. <laughs> and I stuck around because even though at some point I really wanted to leave, but I stuck around because nobody would take, like nobody would respond. And I just didn't want to yeah. deal with that anymore. I had like to focus on my exams and my schooling. And so it was just kind of that annoying thing where like and and i'm talking specifically within like my field where networking isn't easy uh within my field we don't really have a lot of networking events and when you do it's kind of redundant and pointless you mean in 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 tech or no in my field oh in healthcare yeah yeah that's another interesting thing because i I don't i've never associated healthcare being highly linked with the net networking especially when it comes to medical school or pharmacology or anything but do you feel like it's it's necessary um yes so i think it's kind of a hard work plus luck situation um so my friend for example she was uh doing so well in her psych class she ended up because she did so well her professor took her on for his research at um uft and from there she got introduced to one of like the pioneers of neuroscience and she was able to work at that lab and that gig helped her to get a really good reference when she ended up getting into med school Um, and she was like out of 10 people that were trying to get into med school from our friend group she was the only one to get into med school from all of us all of us just had to loaf around for like a year how would you compare the value of doing research work compared to an internship or something part-time say when you're an undergrad um research is valuable i think um i think when you work in research you do a lot of the grunt work and you just i think grunt work is really important because it makes you appreciate the like when you start scaling up in your job it makes you appreciate where you started and it also gives you like a good solid background and an appreciation for data which not a lot of people 
um, are good at, unfortunately. Um, but it depends on what your like what your skill set is and what your background is. Like for me, research was very important because I thought I wanted to get into healthcare, and you have to like one of the most competitive things that people did within my field is that the a lot of my friends were publishing, and I wanted to publish as well. Um, so that was one of the reasons why research was so valuable for mm. me when I was in health, uh, when I was in life sciences. But when you're like in Comsci or um, Rotman, I don't know if it's the the best or be- most beneficial. But I think it's a good stepping stone. Regardless. Especially at an early stage, exactly in your first year, or second exactly. year, summer. Yeah, it's interesting. I think yeah. I mean, research is almost something I would do like partially for recreation. You know, I think it's really something that I'd have to be yeah. like, as you said, if it gives you such a fundamental like respect and understanding of the field that it would have to be in something that I really value but yeah. how um do you have any advice for students at U of D that are looking for research opportunities or any opportunity if, if you think if you contend that <clears throat> PUI is not sufficient for people trying to broach you know whatever industry it may be then what are the steps that they can take to make sure that to fill in those gaps um, so for research specifically, I think you just have to do your own research as well, where you have to look at the professor, like the professors or the supervisors or the PIs that you are really passionate about working with. And um, again, like you have to reach out to as many people as possible and don't give up. And I know it sounds very cliche, don't give up, but like really don't give up because someone eventually will reply to you. Even if it's a no, at least they replied. I think people don't realize, they go into applications with this notion that it will be easy and they just face yeah, it's just it's, a, yeah. like, it's about rejection. It's a numbers game. You have to like you have to apply to a lot of positions exactly. to get 100%. at least one response. Not exactly. even a rejection, like just one response. I think it's really deterring and demoralizing in that not enough people realize that you just have to keep at it. Yeah. And I think this is the part where the second piece of advice would be like adjust your expectations. Like know that this is not easy and that you just have to hustle. And POI is great, don't get me wrong, but it's it's like you have to also do multiple things like to stay in the same thing for a whole year it, it can be like boring just move from one like it, it helps broaden your um your scope um and so i think for internships or look at the resources and i know cln in my opinion isn't the greatest but there are if you really um when you figure out how to use it it can be resource resourceful and as someone who i post a lot on cln for my um for co-op and stuff, I will say that there are good work studies on um, for research on CLN, mm. um, and they do pay you. So I know a lot of research doesn't pay, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but there there are there is a lot that that pay, and they end up being very beneficial in the sense that once you get your first job, whether it's in research or an internship. There are people that can introduce you to other people, and that's the truest the form connections of networking. Are, yeah. I going to networking events is good, but really, when you have someone that respects you in the work environment and they want to help you, that's the best kind of network. Because they have they have a reason to help you as well, as opposed to just meeting you randomly and exactly. you you and asking them for something yeah, straight out 100%. at a networking event. Exactly, and then the thing is, like, they know that you're good enough, and they believe in you, and they. And they know other people that trust them that will trust their word when they tell them that, oh, that this candidate is very great and you should like put him through the process and see how he does. 
it's funny because every every episode we do like our guest always talks about the importance of networking and i feel like it's something that that isn't emphasized enough in a lot of other fields oh, that man. don't really don't really uh, i didn't even realize like, yeah like like rotman i'm I'm sure that uh like the academics at Rotman go out of their way to make it clear that net- networking is important but other fields like life science or they don't even even in tech I mean, even in tech yeah talk, i mean they have all these they have all these <laughs> networking events and then only like do certain teachers and professors tell you you've got to go to these right like it's insane it, so it's, but do you guys have you guys gone to anyone any of the networking? Yeah. I mean, as, yeah as, have you have you felt like anything changed in your life no, when you no. very it rarely doesn't, it doesn't feel like a sincere but i feel like that's what i thought. i mean the, the, <laughs> ne- exactly as you said networking with people that you know you've met in a context that's not an environment where you're forced to meet exactly them and i feel like having a one-on-one with a person like like reaching out to them on linkedin or something as opposed to meeting them at a networking event it, is is a bit more valuable in my experience because you're talking to them and they they've agreed to see you based on what you sent them or what you asked them 100%. for as opposed to just like seeing them and asking them for something at, in a space where exactly. they've already spoken to 20 people who are very similar to you who are also looking for the same exactly. thing that you're looking for and that's um something as well like within when you want to like expand your network i think something that was very valuable was um I had a friend and my mentor as well suggested this where he was like, look at people like your peers outside of your company and reach out to them on LinkedIn and tell them, hey, I just want to grab coffee, get to know more about you. And it was more productive for me to just meet someone to grab coffee and learn more about their background and figure out how they like what's their recruiting style what has worked for them what is the best way to work with hiring managers uh etc and that was to me more productive than me going to a a big networking event because then you get really all flustered and awkward and you're like well i don't really know what to ask and they're kind of they're kind of boring it's really no honestly it's really i like it and i hate it like for me networking isn't hard but it's just like I really don't know what to talk to you about aside from like what company you work at. <laughs> I feel like you have to wait until you're having the conversation, but before then it seems like you have nothing to say. Or you can stalk the guest list, which I don't know if that's possible. Oh, and I figure out who you actually really want to talk to and then do your I research. Know, I don't know if we can endorse this advice. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, it's, it yeah, does yeah. happen. Like when yeah. you go on like Eventbrite events, you, you see who's who's attending. Yeah. You, can, you can easily figure out who like do your research on the people that you're likely to have a good like fruitful conversation with and that could be a way where you could get something out of a networking Mm. event versus just running up with your resume and like throwing it around to different people like never ends up being to me like productive at least do you think that you will meet enough people just if you if, if you don't make an effort to go out of your way to actually mm. meet these people and go to these not even go to these events but just reach out to people yeah reach out in undergrad do you think it'll happen do you think it's something that comes naturally and that it'll eventually it's a behavior that kicks in once you're out of undergrad and realize holy shit i need to start doing this i think i wish i did it in undergrad if that's right what you're asking. Mm, i wish enough. i did it in undergrad i had so many professors that i admired and i loved and I thought, wow, like this is definitely how I want to be. And I wish I was like, hey, like let's just grab coffee instead of me just constantly showing up to their office hours and just 
talking about oh like i don't really understand even though i understood but i was trying to be like <laughs> hey like i want to just i want to be your best <laughs> friend really and it, it was it was great they knew who i was but they never really thought much of me because they didn't know anything aside from the fact that i'm the girl that came to ask questions but they didn't know much like and my grades obviously because they graded me but it was i wish i like told them hey like let's just grab coffee so they can and i think they would have been more appreciative of that than me just coming up and showing to their office hours just to like chill and they yeah and some they can't <laughs> yeah. they can't attribute like a skill or like an attribute to your face yeah literally so what like what is a skill or attribute do you think that someone in an interview can convey in like 30 seconds you know yeah that's it that's a good question mm, interesting i like it it's a good question <laughs> uh... like in like a hundred words or less how can i convince you that, that, I'm, that I'm this yeah. desirable character. And it's especially relevant like in a formal interview. Like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I do 10 minutes phone screens exactly. all the time. So What's something that really stands out? I love it when people don't sound bored when they're talking about themselves. Mm. I hate that because then if you're bored, then why the hell am I going to hire you? And then at the end of the day, I still move forward because they still mention the skill sets that I'm looking for, especially when it's coding or um, just the big idea. But I find that, for example, um, I remember I hired an account manager recently and I remember when I had my phone screen with her, I thought she was amazing. Like, and she did really great in the process. And the reason that I thought she was great was because she was excited about herself. She knew she was great. She knew that she had the skill set. She knew she was a great fit and she didn't even want the job necessarily because we reached out to her. So she, she, she was just like very enthusiastic. And sometimes people are just, they don't know how to. Um, portray their personal brand per se that's actually something I totally wanted to touch because um, you just reminded me one of my I guess we'll call him a mentor uh, mentors in CompSci has been emphasizing the importance of defining my personal brand and I can like to be totally honest I don't know where to start I mean I have a I have a very vague idea but I you're not alone don't yeah (laughs) so then what advice can you give to me personally, I guess, and every other scared shitless you have to <laughs> I love that. That's great. That's a great expression of U of T students. I'm not going to lie. This is great. Um, We're all scared in some way. I know. Right? No, like, don't get me wrong. I'm still scared. <laughs> like, um, I think it really comes down to two things, really. Your personal brand should be who you are. Right. You have to be um, like I'm going to quote Brene Brown and sound extremely cliche right now, Uh, but you have to be yourself. You have to be extremely vulnerable and be accepting of your flaws and who you are and being able to show that to the world. And luckily, I've never really had a struggle to be who I am because there was not really much of an option. I'm just so out there. But um, but a lot of people just are so worried about what it looks like to the world they don't know that it's actually just fine like be who you are and nobody will tell you anything like as long as you're who you are without being aggressive or rude or and being extremely reflective of who you are as a character and who you want to be then that's what builds a personal brand and then when it comes to like advertising the personal brand i'll say like my boss for example he has built his personal brand on twitter Mm He's very popular in the recruiting world and the tech uh, in the tech industry as well because he's always like 
on Twitter. He's always talking. He's always sharing opinions. Um, he's also very well read. So his opinions aren't just like horseshit crap. Um, it's actually like real. Like I, I, I could listen to him all day um, because he has really valuable um, experiences. Yeah. Plus, like he's extremely well read. So and that's why a lot of people within the industry trust him as well. Because he has things to back him up. And that's something to also think about when building your own brand. You don't want to just be like, blah, 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 blabbing your way through life. You also want to be credible. Yeah. yeah, because you have to sell yourself to whoever you're talking exactly. to. I think it's, impo- it's impossible to maintain like a facade as your personality, right? Like, and it, and like, people don't realize that it, that it shows if that you're kind of portraying someone it's just someone a, else it's or, just a lie that's not worth keeping up because yeah. you'll never fundamentally get anywhere with it and so 100%. i think that not enough people i mean I'm, i guess this is sort of more of a hot take but so many people in undergrad that are doing things for the wrong reasons not well, you can't say that it's an objectively wrong reason but if you're just in a field or an industry for money then you're not going to be happy, right? Like, and, and it's not only that, you're going to be even more miserable because you're going to be half, you're going to have to maintain the illusion that you're enjoying yourself. But also keep in mind, like, you're still pretty young. Yeah. You haven't really seen much. And, like, when you're young as well, like, money seems like it's an enough incentive to drive you through everything. And then once you have your first, like, struggle or your first failure, you realize that then you really start to reevaluate, like, what does success like, look like to me? Things could be way worse, man. Yeah, I know, 100%. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like, I was also in the medical field for the wrong reasons. I thought it was like, ooh, science, cool. And it wasn't. Um, and then I also didn't want to, like, a lot of the times I did things for the sake of my, um, just to prove to myself that I could do it, um, mm. basically for my ego. And I think that's a very big problem as well i did it to prove to myself or to prove to other people or to just be as competitive and as smart as everyone in my class and being in life science it's pretty competitive because everybody is getting good grades and everybody's pretty smart and you're like a small fish in a very 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 big pond so it's 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 scary and so yeah i i was exactly like these people i did things for the wrong reasons all the time and then eventually once i've like gotten rejected and i have also had my fair share of failures in my academic career as well mm-hmm. i realized that honestly there is so much like there 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 are things bigger than that and that's what i had to focus on to figure out what my next move will be yeah and given that you're you've graduated now and have been working uh for around a year right yeah almost a, a year. and do you still do you still notice those traits and in, in people that you're yeah. people by which you're surrounded all the like time. doing things for the wrong reasons still 100 percent. i mean mm. we're flawed right yeah we're human beings so yeah definitely i mean like people are even deluded into thinking that their like degree defines them right and like we've proven in the past however many episodes that yeah. it's clearly it's not called, the case. And people's, our podcast is called beyond exactly and people's <laughs> biggest issues as well is that they don't know that their biases are also affecting their business decisions Mm. What, what do you mean it's uh, like so when you like he said like so some people believe that if you have um a certain amount of degrees and um you've worked in, at a like at a big company like i don't know like a big brand company or whatever 
there is this assumption that you're good and even when you're in the process of hiring them they might be pretty average but because you are so biased by their background you believe that they're good and then they show up to to the job and you're like mm. Mm, you're okay yeah and something i wanted to ask you about is so a lot a lot of people especially people our age and first years have this misconception that like more education means more opportunities right. and i wanted your take on it what, what you think about it because a, lo- a lot of people it mm-hmm. takes i don't know uh, it's it's difficult to understand that that is a misconception in a lot of it's cases definitely a misconception i think the more you're in school the more you're deferring your opportunity to be out in the real world mm. um education is important i'm not saying it's not um I definitely do want to go back to school at some point, um, but I don't know for what yet. So okay. if anyone has any ideas, let me know. But I definitely <laughs> do want to go back to school, but I, I don't want to do it for the wrong reasons. And I also don't, I'm in the last year, I've been able to learn so much more than in four years of undergrad. Mm. And um, I, I would still gone through undergrad because I have to have a bachelor's degree because apparently that's the thing people do these days. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> uh, but it's... Still end up working at ex- Starbucks. Exactly. <laughs> no, nonetheless, like, being exposed to the real world is so valuable. And, like, when you stay um, and, and you keep deferring that, you're, you just become inequipped and you're kind of behind, too, because mm. there's all these people who have been working for a while and they have both the skill set of an educate like what an education and what the real world would offer and they're better off in like an interview process or even as when they perform and you end up not even like people go like oh i'm gonna do my phd because when i graduate i will be making six figures fresh out of school not true yeah, a lot of people do think not that yeah true. you cannot do a thesis you can't do an entire dissertation <laughs> just on the notion that, like, that's insane that people don't realize I, what I, I literally, this is the most absurd thing. Like, somebody wants, um, he has no work experience. He has an MBA, and it was for, a, like, a very junior role. And he's like, oh, I want, like, 90K. I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, not going to happen. I don't know. And the thing is, you have an MBA, and I get the value of an MBA, but without life experience, it kind of means nothing. Yeah. That makes a and lot that's of the sense. thing. Like an MBA will 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 open doors for you, but it won't give you the six figures handed on a platter, for sure. I think that that's true with anything. You, yeah, you do. exactly. Like any any degree will will give you like a a push. Will give you the the nice fundamentals, but it really you just ha- you still have to hustle. Yeah, it's even not- at our stage, like a bachelor bachelor's degree is nowhere near enough for. Like making it. I think what it's done, like a person, just purely a bachelor's degree with no outside experience or outside, yeah, oh, outside connections even. Well, just because I mean, there are how many? And that's what co-op is for, right? Yeah. That's why they built co-op. Yeah, and something we like to ask all of our guests before we wrap up is, so, looking back uh, and reflecting on your first year self first year savannah going to life site what would your, what would your advice be to first year savannah just because you did um ib doesn't mean you're gonna pass <laughs> <laughs> wow i feel like we're just gonna scare everybody from every single we've already like scared <laughs> but i'm being very realistic okay like i feel like you 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 just have to really honestly like i can't stress enough the importance of hard work like 
you really can't just sit there and think this is like if I work so hard for this year then I can don't have to work hard for like the rest of my life you'll always have to work you'll always be learning and that's the thing like and I know it sounds very cliche but it but it is true so I think one of the great things about U of T is that by about second year most of the people that don't realize that are weeded out anyways yeah I mean I remember I mean I mean it's yeah maybe I shouldn't say that's a great thing but and but I think also... <laughs> How is that a great thing? Well, I mean, it's not a great thing, but it's... it's sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, sorry, go it's, ahead. Uh, it's effective technique. It's a thing, of Filtering yeah. out who's, you know, makes the cut. Anyways, please continue. Oh, no, I was just going to say that U of T was great because I honestly knew I was more valuable than my degree because of U of T. Mm. And I know that sounds like an, a weird like take to take from like your school but that that was very true like a lot of people within uft like they just they're so caught up in their gpa and their numbers and where that number is going to take them and i think if you truly believe that you're doing the best that you can don't worry that's literally what i would say and i feel like it's really important to have that mentality as a as a recruiter at at a at a tech startup because you can sort of put yourself in a lot of shoes uh, of these applicants yeah. trying to get these opportunities at, at your company 100%. or any other company. Especially for interns, I really do feel for yeah. them. Like when they ask me for feedback, I always do give it to them. Or at least I try to because mm. we do get a lot, like a lot of people coming in. Um, but yeah, I agree, like 100%. I, yeah. Every time I have to like reject a candidate, I feel incredibly bad because I know how hard it is to go through the process. Savannah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and speaking to us. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks. Beyond the Degree is co-hosted by myself, Talal Fahum, and Anga Darneja. Behind production and occasional co-host is Tate Claggett. Our director of marketing is Max Wajewski. And our music is produced by Pranav Vedyanathan. Thank you for listening and see you soon.